This feature is brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. COVID-19 has had a negative impact on gender-based violence. The Solidarity Fund has identified GBV as one of its focus areas and has partnered with various organizations to assist with medical and psychosocial services, PPE, and access to shelters. To get help, call the National GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 or visit the National Shelter Movement's website on nsmsa.org.za. Brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. Life happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us at seven minutes after two. So the Solidarity Fund is committed to eradicating uh, gender-based violence as part of its commitment. We continue ongoing conversations every Monday like this afternoon discussing topics that will challenge all of us to find solutions towards ending gender-based violence scourge. The hashtag for this conversation is Solidarity for GBV. Malaika Matlati is on the line leading and she's a leading voice in the Solidarity Fund's GBV campaign. She joins me on the line now. She's an author, she's an activist, and as I said, a leading voice in the this campaign that the Solidarity Fund has put together. Malika, thank you so much for talking to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimelo, and good afternoon to all your listeners um, to be invited here. Absolute pleasure. So we've seen um, a couple of pandemics. We've seen the COVID-19 pandemic, and then we've also seen the president himself calling gender-based violence a pandemic. Your involvement in, in trying to deal with this pandemic that we are facing, the gender-based violence pandemic, how bad has it become from where you're standing? Look, it has, it has, it has not gotten better. It has gotten bad over time. And, you know, Pamela, I always say that um, for me, my my analysis of, of gender-based violence always happens at a point of, you know, when I was quite a younger person, mm-hmm. right? So I'm 29 now. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in, like, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, my mother was working in, in the NGO sector, right, mm-hmm. in Sangoku. And they always used to be very deeply involved in, in, in gender-based violence and struggles of that nature. Mm-hmm. And it's very curious to me that a lot of the things that we are talking about today, a lot of the protests that I'm attending today are protests that my mother would tell mm-hmm. me in reflection almost, you know, 15 years ago that she was part of, but that she had also been part of in her much later youth right mm. now that obviously indicates to us that um you know the struggle against gender-based violence is not only ongoing but things are not getting any better right um the language is still the same the conversations are still the same conversations i'm having conversations with my peers today that my mother was having with yeah. me as a child and that she was having with the peers at that time yeah. and that's indicative of something very very problematic about so, the struggle and and that's that's an important point you're making malaika because clearly with all the activism in the world, with all the efforts in the world, we, we're not getting the message across. Something is not giving. What is it? So I think part of what is not giving, um, Timel, right, is the fact that very often the conversation on gender-based violence is a conversation that is a very legalistic conversation, right? So we talk about the need for us to have harsher sentences for criminals. We talk about the need for us, you know, I mean, there was a conversation last year and earlier this year with the ANC Women's League, for example, speaking about the need to chemically castrate mm. rapists and things like that and so on, right? So for as long as the conversation is only, you know, rooted in the legal and does not have an appreciation 
of the interconnectedness, the, the, the multi, multi-layeredness of gender-based violence. It's not going anywhere. So, for example, we are not having a very deliberate and meaningful conversation about the way in which institutions of socialization and agencies of socialization, such as our churches, right, mm. our schools, right, um, the media, and, you know, our homes. Mm. We're not talking about how those institutions that are so very important in our socialization are the ones that groom these abusers, are the ones that groom perpetrators, right? And our families in the main also are also the ones that normalize gender-based violence and a culture of rape in society. And I say this, for example, because, you know, very often, um, you know, women will be speaking about how, you know, mm. right? Mm. And they want to go back and they are told, all of that. That kind of language has still not evolved, right? So, so and, and the language is also in our churches, in our schools, in our media. The language is not evolving. So the socialization is not changing. So no matter how many laws we put in place, no matter how many, you know, funds we create that we want to address these issues, if we're not going to talk to these things at the heart of it, we're not going to make any difference. And I think that is why for me, I love this, this campaign by the Solidarity Fund, right? Because it understands fundamentally that the issue is not only about the laws changing. It's also about giving support to institutions, to agencies, to communities, mm. right, that are going to deal with this issue because that is where the issue is, that it's in our communities. There is nothing that parliamentarians and legislators are going to do that is going to change this which mm. is not which, which, when it's not being, when it's not happening within our communities yeah. and within our homes. Yeah. You know, Malika, there, there, you said about um, earlier on that there, there are levels to this thing and there are levels and layers to the complexities of what needs to be done to address gender-based violence. There is there is a, a conversation that I think needs to have uh, to happen now because everybody now is kind of getting aware of the fact that it, it has to be had, this conversation around gender-based violence and there are all kinds of activisms that are happening at the moment and there, there are all sorts of fora that are going on. There, there is a level of concern around the kind of activisms that we are also seeing at the moment, isn't there, where we need to go back and and also have a, a conversation amongst ourselves about yeah but that even if you're an you're an activist that that kind of conversation is not fruitful you are seeing perpetrators who are now leading conversations yeah. you've seen that right mm-hmm. you've seen them getting more platforms them getting more uh, mm-hmm. empathy um talk to me about that and you if you are concerned about that it certainly concerns me i wonder what your thoughts are on that so for me, it's always been something that is very, very deeply concerning to me, right? Um, and it's not only the fact that we give perpetrators platforms, but I'm always very conflicted, Pamela, and I'll be very honest with you. I'm always very conflicted about um, the question of um, at what point do we believe perpetrators can be redeemed, right? Can perpetrators be redeemed, right? Mm-hmm. When someone commits a heinous crime and, you know, they are they are punished adequately, right? What, what is adequate punishment mm-hmm. for a perpetrator, right? And and, and when, if we say that we have got a correctional service system in our country, then what we are uh, then uh, communicating is that we are saying that we believe that criminals, even those who commit the most heinous crimes, have got a potential for redemption, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is for me, and I, and I, I share this with you as, as a point of my vulnerability, mm-hmm. also recognizing that even as a, gen, as, as, a, as a feminist myself, I don't have all the answers. That is something for me that I'm grappling with and that I've always grappled with. And I don't have the answer to that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm always very deeply uncomfortable. I mean, you know, so for example, they'll have a platform and this is a man who used to beat up women mm-hmm. or something, and he wants to come and speak about, you know, how that is wrong and so on. I, 
understand where that is coming from, but it makes me very, very deeply uncomfortable. Also, because in part, and I think the biggest part for me is this, right, that in, very often when we give these perpetrators the platform, we do it in a way where we kind of almost bid an ode to them. We celebrate them, right? Mm-hmm. We, we applaud them for these people that they, that, who have changed and so on. And in the process, we become deaf to the pain, the suffering, and even the voices of the women who endured this kind mm-hmm. of violence, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'll give an example to the former higher education deputy minister, Manana, right? Mm-hmm. Has this foundation and he goes all over the platform speaking about gender-based violence and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And yet I don't see any, any, any events where, you know, his victims are being invited to mm-hmm. speak about what it means to be abused by a person in power and to be chastised by a society that still defends that person and to be in a society in which men like that still get to be celebrated as heroes when they've done something wrong and women like this are discarded, right? So there's also an even an even an even recognition and the power struggle and the power dynamics find expression themselves, even in the way that we have this conversation with these people who might or might not be redeemed. But the fact that in their redemption, they become heroes and those whom they have abused mm. become the silent people and are never given a space to f- reflect on their own pain is where I have a problem personally. So someone like um, yourself who said exactly what you've just said, I know personally, I mean, I get this every day. There will be another 10 voices who are going to say, please mm. sit down and keep quiet you people don't know what you want we come here and we we want to redeem ourselves and so on and you still have a problem with us that is going to be the case at what point are we going to find ourselves because i think there are a couple of problems here at what point are we going to find ourselves with the same destination in mind and also understanding that we have to challenge certain things for us to get to a place where we all understand that do we even understand what the problem is? Because I think if we don't understand what the problem is from a common uh, ground, then we're not going to get to the same place. So one of the things that I find very curious, Pamela, right, um, about, about two, a month or so ago, um, there was a case of, um, and, and we're going to be very deliberate because we mm. must keep calling these things mm. in a proper name, right? So there was a case of um, the um, about um, IT specialist Noma uh, Goma, right? Mm-hmm. Formerly Noma Kikaba, mm-hmm. who at the time had been, um, you know, a case she was had been arrested because she yeah. had, um, I don't know, you whole knew that whole story. She had, you know, vandalized. There was the a car conspiracy, and so on, yes, and as and well. All of that and mm-hmm. so on, and there was also the issues of conspiracy yeah. to kill mm-hmm. the former minister, and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember very, very clearly that in that conversation, Pamelo, there were people who were making arguments like, "Yeah, you see, this gender, you know, where are all these, um, these feminists and all of that?" And we were being called, you know, by our names, mm-hmm. and all of these other feminists, where are Apokasandra and all of these feminists, mm-hmm. um, who are always talking about men when they are. Women, why don't they say anything now about this gender-based mm. violence that's happening here? And I said at the time that even the language that we're using, so, so you're speaking about common destination, I'm saying even the language that we are using, it's not a language that is common, yeah. but it's also not a language that is very clear. Because once for me, society wants to argue that women are perpetrators of gender-based violence, even if a woman hits a man. And I'm not saying that's right, it can never be. Violence is never right. But the very idea that people believe that a woman, you know, vandalizing a man's car or a woman slapping another woman constitutes gender-based violence already tells me that we don't even understand what gender-based violence is, right? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we don't understand its systematic and institutionalized nature. We don't understand it as a function of a heteronormative patriarchal society in which an, a, a, a collectively disenfranchised gender is on the receiving end of all kinds of violence, physical, economic, and so on and so forth. So the idea that there are people in society who believe that 
what Norma had done, for example, constitutes gender-based violence, for me it says we are not even having the conversation. Because if the conversation is simply that, you know, gender-based violence is a man hitting is a man hitting a woman, it means you don't understand that the reason why a man hits a woman is because he lives in a society in which all of the existing institutions and structures make allowance for him to exercise his manhood in that way, right? All these agencies and institutions in society make allowance for men to be the ones who get paid a higher salary, for men to do the things that they do and get away with it because the criminal justice system makes allowance for things like this to happen. That if we don't even understand it at that basic level of its definition, I don't know how we are going to then fight to dismantle it in its totality because we need to understand gender-based violence as more than simply physical abuse of women, right? We need to understand it as more than just intimate partner violence. We must understand it, Pimelo, as a structural construct that includes the economic disenfranchisement and exclusion of women that still continues in South Africa and around the world today. So if we are not able to get everybody on the same page about what is number one, what is this gender-based violence, then then where to? <laughs> then we don't stop fighting. Mm. Then we don't. And, and, and you know, one of the things I remember I was saying, speaking to a very a good friend of mine who's a feminist and a fighter mm-hmm. that I, you know, a fighter of note, how Palelu, right? Mm-hmm. And she was one of the organizers of the of the um of the sh- total shutdown mm-hmm. march two mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And I remember saying to her, how Palelu, I am not going to be participate in any march of gender based violence this year. I am tired. I can't do this anymore, and I'm exhausted and so on. Mm-hmm. And you know, she said something very profound to me. She said, you know, my like all of us, we are very very tired. Mm-hmm. But if you need to take a break, take a break because you need to come back to the struggle because it's so important right mm-hmm. and that's the point that i want to make Pimelo, that many of us women both those of us who are actively engaged in the struggle but also women in south africa in general are very tired mm-hmm. of having this conversation right mm-hmm. we are tired of protesting we are tired of picketing we were at the union buildings not too long ago the total shutdown mm-hmm. march we as students have been involved in silent marches at Rhodes university we have literally put our bodies on the line for this there's nothing we have not written about this we've mm-hmm. written about this we've spoken every we've been on safm every fm you can think of mm-hmm. talking about these things and it always feels like we're speaking you know to, we're actually speaking to brick walls mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that that is exactly the point, right? That the only way we are ever going to make a difference is that when we get tired, which we will and which we are, we must take a break and reflect and, you know, and, and, and preserve ourselves because it's so important. And because for black women in particular, the act of just backing away and preserving ourselves is revolutionary in its, it's very radical in its very construct. We need to do that, but we also need to then come back and insist on this change because it's not going to just happen, right? Yeah. It's not going to just happen. It's a conversation we need to go to have to beat it into people because you must understand Pimelo that there has never been a, 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 a you know a, 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 any any time in history where the oppressed has ever won their freedom by appealing to the moral conscience of their abuser. It's never happened. <laughs> Nobody appealed to the moral conscience of their perpetrator and then it changes, right? Mm. And, and if that was the case, it would have it, a lot of would have changed in South Africa because we've appealed at all times to men in our country. We've pleaded, we've begged, we've cried, we've done everything and it's still even changing. So this conversation needs to happen. Very, very uncomfortable conversations need to happen and we need to be part of these conversations. We need to be leading these conversations. And and it, it and that is the only way, right? Because I mean save save for you know, 
all women in South Africa creating an island somewhere and going to stay there in peace. What else is there to do? This is our country. We belong in this country as much as the men in this country belong in it. And so we can't abdicate the responsibility of being part of this change and of facilitating this change to anybody else. So we, we have to yeah. we have to continue these conversations, Pimelo, even when we are tired of them, even when we get exhausted of all of this, even when they get so violent to us, we don't have any other alternative. So, so to the point about economic empowerment, right, I, I want us to just then you know change our focus a little bit to what has been able to have resources uh, being plowed into an organization that is able to give a woman a second chance a new lease on life and being able to to have refuge what has that done for the women that come in desperately seeking uh, assistance on the ground who who's walking away from an abusive relationship and so on what has that done on the ground for these women so for me, you know, one of the things that is so deeply profound and why I'm so extremely proud to associate myself with the Solidarity Fund on this particular campaign, right, is the fact that, you know, we are in the middle of a lockdown. And mm-hmm. this started, you know, in March, March this year. Yeah. And when the lockdown started, the conversation, not just in South Africa, everywhere in the world, was about how economies are being battered, right? Mm-hmm. What about the healthcare system, access to ventilators and so on. It was about jobs that were being lost. And these are very important conversations. Make no mistake, these are important conversations. But in all of those conversations, and they are, they are important conversations, the conversation about you know, the support that needs to be given to centers and institutions that are supporting the struggle against gender-based violence was completely silent. Mm. Everybody was talking about jobs being lost. Everybody was talking about the economy that is shrinking and, 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 and so Because you'll remember, we got into a lockdown two weeks after our country had gone into a recession, right? Yeah. The economy had contracted in the fourth quarter and we had gone into a recession. So, so the conversation was always about the economy, the economy, the economy, and so on. There was not much of a conversation on this. And so when the Solidarity um, Fund comes with this campaign and says, let us give resources. I mean, there, there were grants that were being given to to organizations that are community-based, community-based organizations to continue with this work. It becomes very, very important because you, you must understand, it's already very difficult in South Africa for women to get help when, not a, when there is no pandemic mm-hmm. in our country, mm-hmm. right? When there is no pandemic, it's already very, very difficult to report cases, to get places of refuge once you have reported, to get support and this and that. Now imagine what, what then happens in a pandemic when when everything is falling apart, when when organizations cannot co- continue to sustain themselves because all their funders are also now maximizing the little resources that, and the process yep. that they now have because they've lost incomes and so mm. on, right? So for me, what this Solidarity Fund program has done more than anything else is that in the middle of a pandemic, it has allowed organizations that are fighting a very important struggle to continue to operate. And and the money that were given, for example, some organizations would have gotten, you know, 25,000 rand, some 50,000 rand and so on. And and it might seem like it's very little money, right? But in, 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 in Midlands, where I come from in Soweto, when you give an organization that is based in our community and you give them 25,000 rand, you are allowing them to have money to provide food for women who come in there needing help, to have money for data, for you know, photocopying machines, for money for taxis if they need to go to the, you know, women need to be taken to police stations and so on and so forth. That is money that is doing a lot in these communities, right? And now multiply that by all the money that is been going in all the different communities in South Africa. And you are seeing there that even though we might not have been able to change the lives of all the women who suffered, there is a significant amount of, of, of communities that were touched and women whose lives were fundamentally changed at a time when there was very little hope about what was available for them. 
what well, in fact it's it's even bigger than that you're allowing for the center not to shut down yeah because, and, and it's you important know. oh my god it is so important Pimelo. you know you know when a center shuts down yeah you know the other day um about a year ago a year ago in fact i went to visit the the the, the power right mm-hmm. in, in, in the one uh, mm-hmm. and um power for, for for the listeners is people opposing women abuse right so and i was going to visit power because i had kept my mother had passed away three years ago and i had kept her clothes and all of those things right and i kept all of these things so i i said let me go and give these things to power because i got all these clothes for my mother i could give them out to other people but i mean i think there are people who need them more and i visited power and when i went to visit power to, to hand over those clothes i spoke to the reception the lady who was at the receptionist at power then mm-hmm. and she was telling me you know about you know the challenges that power is facing as it pertains to resources and many other things right mm. and she says people don't understand what it takes to keep these organizations mm. open. and i remember saying to her you guys are working under such very difficult circumstances how do you keep going and she said something very profound to me she said you know what young woman the only the only thing that keeps us going even you know when all these kinds of things that are happening we are having a resource drain and this and that is because the alternative is far more costly. Mm. The idea that power can close down mm-hmm. is very, very costly because it exists here in this community mm-hmm. where you can imagine that it's not just it's not just you know South African women who are coming to power here. Hillbro and this space in the city is also a convergence point of a lot of migrant women. Mm. And for them, this place is a sanctuary and there's no other place like mm. this. So keeping these organizations open, Timur, I can't agree with you more. Keeping these organizations open and running in the middle of this pandemic where people have lost jobs, where people are even in an even more desperate situation than they were a year ago is sacrosanct. Sure. I, I want you, uh, Malaika, to talk to the woman who's listening to you right now, who's sitting there with uh, an ice pack on their body and who feels like this is the end. What can they do? I, more than anything else, you know, um, and, and it, 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 what you're asking me is a very, very painful question. Painful because it's a question that many, many women um, in our country are dealing with mm-hmm. right now, right? Um, but what I would want um, someone to do right now, anyone who is a victim of gender-based violence, a woman who is sitting with an eye pack right now in her, on her eye mm-hmm. and wondering if she should go on, right? I would want them to, commun- to you know, at, at the very least, to contact the National Gender-Based Violence Command Center, right? It mm-hmm. operates 24-7. A woman just needs to, co- you know, to, to contact them on this number on 0800-428-428, right? Mm-hmm. And if they are not able to speak, they can also send a please call me, right? So you don't, you don't need to have resources mm-hmm. to do this. If you are unable to speak, you don't have resources, you can send a please call me by dialing star 120 star 7867 hash or just SMS the word help, just one word help to 31531. And someone is going to get in touch with this person, someone who's qualified, someone who's a counselor, someone who's going to give them not just the necessary Mm -hmm. direction in terms of where they need to go to get help resource wise, but also give them the necessary mental health support that a woman in that condition desperately requires. I so appreciate the time you've given us, uh, Malaika. You've said a mouthful. Thank you very much for making the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Malaika Matlazi is uh, the spokesperson at the moment for this campaign that they have at the Solidarity Fund uh, on gender-based violence. So let me give you those numbers again. 
It is 0800-428-428. Okay, you can just dial that number for help or you can SMS the word help to 31531. Alternatively, you can just send a please call me at star 120 star 7867 hash. Please use the numbers if you need to. 2.30, let's go um, to a small break and then we'll be back with more after that.